What's up, guys? Welcome to the Underground Church Podcast, and this is Abraham, and I'm with my brother, James. What's going on, guys? And today, I started thinking about Christians in China that have no freedoms, and they're being actively persecuted, like, all the time. And here we are, I'm thinking, here we are in America, and coronavirus hit, and this is a tremendous opportunity for some politicians to go, hey, now's a great time to take control. And let's use this opportunity, use this fear to take away the rights. And I think as Christians, we should be very wary of that because we're in the very unique position, at least in the United States where James and I are, where we're able to freely practice our faith. We're able to freely congregate in our churches and, you know, in our homes, in public. We can do Bible studies in public, right? Like, imagine how much these persecuted Christians, like, how much their minds will be blown. It's like, holy crap. People are actually at Starbucks, and they're doing a Bible study? That's mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing to some of these people, probably. And yet, I see that a lot of Christians today that have become very complacent, the farther and farther away you are from, I think, real biblical knowledge— and a deep relationship with God, I think the more vulnerable these Christians are going to be to have their freedoms taken away. Like the bakers who, it became a huge deal because they didn't want to make a gay wedding cake, and they were standing fast to their beliefs, and they were fighting for our faith, right? In a very visible, and some would say minor, but it, it, you know, it got blown out of proportion, right? But that's how it works. Something gets blown out of proportion, And slowly but surely, people try to control our faith, how we express our faith, right? And if we don't fight back, oh my gosh, you know, this is slowly happening in the media anyway, where because of the new atheists, people can't even even talk about God in a lot of settings, like in universities, without being laughed at. You know, even if you have really good arguments and evidence, we're being persecuted You know, we're being persecuted slowly but surely, and I think personally, I think American Christians and Christians probably across the world in free nations are quietly conceding. It's crazy, dude. It is, man. Like Mm -hmm. the universal tolerance that they didn't want to create conflict by having different opinions, openly disagreeing with other opinions. Yeah. Right? And so really it becomes protecting people's egos as a precedent over the truth because if you're going to preach the truth it's it's going to have to hurt your ego that's right it is unavoidable it is just simply unavoidable and the more that you drift into trying to avoid that the more you're just going to compromise and that's the way a lot of things are in life you can't be everything at once you can't please everybody and especially as Christians, right? There could be non-Christians tuning into this podcast and they could agree with many things we say, but there will be points where you're not going to be able to follow us and agree with certain things or fully understand certain things that we say because that is the nature of Christianity is that there is a line in the sand somewhere where we do believe differently from non-Christians, Right? It doesn't mean that we can't have conversations back and forth with non-Christians. But 
there is a line in the sand. We believe something distinct and it has profound implications. And what the churches today have become is a tolerance. They're adopting this unbiblical theme of the idea of loving others. It's not really loving others. It's just maintaining harmony, which God never instructed that we should do over the truth in the Bible. In fact, he said he came to bring a sword and he said he came to bring division. We are to reject heresies, heretics. In the new versions, they change that, right? So in the new versions, it says that we're supposed to reject a divisive man, right? But you know what? Doctrine divides. So we're not supposed to reject a divisive man. We're supposed to reject a heretic. And the most common heresy being unify everything together in tolerance and this fake version of love, right? This like lazy version of just get along with everybody so it doesn't create conflict. And that's what the churches are adopting more and more in the United States. And it's making them lazy. It's making them passive. And the non-Christian world around them can pass whatever laws and say whatever they want to attack Christianity. And the Christians think that the way that they're supposed to respond is in silence. And mm. they think that that's being loving. They think, oh, just be patient, pray for that person. God will come through eventually. Just pray. And yes, you're supposed to be praying and have patience, but that does not mean that you're supposed to cut off the other aspects of how we walk this Christian walk at the same time. And that's what many churches have started doing. And I think that it is absolutely not an accident, especially if you know scripture, if you know the Bible and you know God's personality and you see how God works. If you read the Old Testament, when nations turned against God, when Israel turned against God, God sometimes used enemy nations to attack Israel, to straighten them out, right? And Israel had to go through some pretty horrific times if you read the Old Testament. So I think we live in times where you could say it either way, that God caused this to happen or that Satan or the devil, whatever you want to say, maybe it was just a coincidence. But either way, in the end, God is using this for his purpose on a global scale. It didn't just fly under the radar. I think it's no accident that the United States in particular, was taking, Christians were taking things for granted, right? They were not standing up. They were taking these freedoms of being able to have a Bible study at Starbucks for granted, for being able to gather at church in large numbers for granted. And I believe God has tried to provide warnings over these past few years. And many of them have not listened. And now God is like, okay, what if I take that away from you? Now you can't gather at church. Is that what you wanted? Because none of you were willing to stand your ground for my truth. You wanted to just stand there and defend each other's personalized, private interpretations of scripture, eisegetically thrown in. So literally sometimes somebody could just walk in there and quote something from the Bible. It would be so offensive to people. and People would immediately take that verse and say, well, everybody could have five to 10 different interpretations of that. So now you just dismantled that verse. Instead of just taking it at face value, you dismantle that verse and you go about conducting church culture in a way that is according to the wisdom of the world. How can we tolerate the world will like us, we can grow numbers, keep the money flowing, keep the money flowing. And it's like, it's so silly because it's like, who's the head of the church? It's not the pastor. That's it's right. not. It's not 
the elders. It's not your mega church CEO. <laughs> it's not that at all. It's God. God is the head of the church. And you forgot about that because you kept doing it according to this worldly way of trying to put one foot in the world and one foot in the church. So many churches have been doing that, man. Okay. I speak from personal experience. This oh, is not yeah. an opinion or a theory or just me trying to stand on the soapbox. I speak from personal experience. So Same many here. churches across this nation have been doing that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. You know, you bring up the Bible multiple times. I've brought up the Bible and we're having a discussion and in a church, these discussions should be fueled by the word. So I took that seriously. I was like, hey, this is what the Bible says about X, Y, and Z. It's very clear. And lo and behold, I get made fun of. In one case, I was You know just, why? Let yeah. me jump in really quick on this. Yeah. It's because culture, especially among the youth, has become a thing where nothing can be serious. Right? If you're being too serious or maybe too direct... Uh, too definitive about your opinion if your opinion is too specific well you're not being tolerant and that's not how you win people over right this is the concept the worldly concept so you're supposed to appeal to everybody's feelings and then truth gets a complete backseat all the way in the back might as well just put it in the trunk right and so it's just this thing of uh, that's what culture has become you look so strange when you're just being a normal person nowadays you're like hey we're in church we're not at the comedy club right now. You know, time and place. What is the setting? Read the room. We're in church. Maybe we're in the middle of a Bible study and people are joking about the Bible. I don't read the Bible ever. <laughs> and they're like leaders joking like this. I've yep. seen this. Right? This is not an exaggeration. See, Abraham just backed me up on that. When somebody comes in there and they're just this normal person who's actually reading scripture and like analyzing it and breaking it down and taking God at his word. Now it gets narrowed into this definitive. This is what God said. Right. Remember, the way that culture is oftentimes brought down is first by taking down freedom of speech, which correlates to your independent thinking ability, because right. how you talk out loud is also correlated to how you talk to yourself in your mind. Mm -hmm. So if you're open speech, if that gets policed, now it turns inward, your very thoughts will be policed by yourself. That's right. thought policing yourself. After the group thought polices each other and punishes each other for being too open about specific, direct, literal opinions. They can't be another way. Oh, now you're intolerant. I'm telling you, bro, we have redefined very terms in our society to keep the truth out. The pursuit of truth becomes near impossible because when you get in a social group, the thing that must be maintained is not any kind of seeking after the truth. Even if you're in a Bible study, no. The thing that must be maintained is the lighthearted attitude, the lighthearted atmosphere of that group. Right. And what I say is you got to know how to work hard and play hard in a certain sense. Right. But you got to know still, when is it time to work hard? When is it time to hit the books? When is it time that you're in Bible study? You're not supposed to be making jokes about everything. See, people, do, it's so silly that we've drifted so far out of balance, man. We've yeah. drifted so far out of balance. So the point went on a little longer than I initially intended, well, but continue. Abraham. I yeah, mean, yeah. Well, what does the Bible have to say about this? Right. Titus KJV. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcisions, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. Teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Yeah, Just have let's to keep going. That. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, 
evil beasts, slow bellies. Oh man, you know, triggered much, right? Triggered much? He's calling these people liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. And he says, mm. this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. So now, how do they become sound in the faith here? We have to rebuke them. And how do, like, how do we go about rebuking them? Sharply. Yes. Boom. These are the things that are being completely cut out of the Bible. People don't want to practice these things. They just want to run to the verses that say, well, look at this verse. It's about being gentle and loving. It has become a caricature. You know, you have to be perfectly nice, right? Was King David perfectly nice? No, he was a warlord. He was a tribal warlord. People, people forget that. Right. Sure, he was a poet. He was a great poet. He was an instrumentalist. He was apparently a very good harpist, right? But he was also a very deadly warrior and a very capable general and a very seasoned leader that led some of the most deadly men in the nation of Israel in those times. And you don't get there with tolerance. You don't get there with being nice. You get there through rebuke if someone gets out of line. And the general way that we can easily think about this is where is society drifting that now we have to bring them back into balance, right? And so let's say that society... Let's say that we lived in a society right now where Pharisees had taken over everything and everybody was living under the tight. They were putting people under the law, right? Now we need to exercise a lot more gentleness, patience, love, kindness. We need to preach that to bring these people back to balance out from under that legalistic mindset, right? But we're living in the exact opposite. We're living in a time where everybody has drifted all the way to that side of the spectrum where... They're idolizing a sole exclusive focus on gentleness, kindness, and they're completely abandoning rebuke, rebuking them sharply, you know, facing the truth. So that's why I think that we're oftentimes preaching this, not because we're hard asses here, but because we're bringing people back to center. Mm. And that's, you know, that's just what we got to do. And so oftentimes, too, if you notice in the Bible, even in the Old Testament, God has different names that Israel calls him. For example, Jehovah Jireh. Then you'll also have Jehovah Rapha. And you have all kind of variations that Israel calls God in different circumstances and in different situations where God will display different attributes of his character. Mm. So sometimes it's God, our banner, God, the healer. So it just depends on what attribute God has to apply to that situation. And we are living, dispensationally, we are living in the age of grace, the church age of grace. But we're coming to the end of that age now. And it's about to switch soon enough into the tribulation and then wrath. Mm. Right? And so that shows that there are many different aspects to God's character and a godly person's character that they have to put on display oftentimes to battle things that are getting out of balance, like something that moves way to the other direction that has abandoned the other aspects. Rebuking someone sharply, gentleness, kindness, patience. If you just plainly put that on a scale, those are different methods, right? But you have to apply it to which situation goes where, right? And so right now, 
the country is way, way on the other side, all passive. And that's why we need to do this. That's right. And let's say this here. The people that are being nice that are not rebuking, check this out. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Thus saith the word of God. And what's funny is like you can have two different perspectives about coming to the word of God. You can take refuge and feel a sense of, wow, God said it. I'm going to hold on to that. And I know because God said it, it's the truth. And God is going to God is going to keep his word. That's how God is going to do it. That's how God does things because he said so. So you take refuge in that. And, you know, that feels good. But then you have the other way of coming at scripture, right? Where it's like, oh, that's too definitive. No, I think that's, we need to like water that down. We need to like spread that out. Like you're taking a container of hummus and spreading it out across. Oh, everybody, let's make this fit and match everybody's different interpretation. And because, uh, you know, everybody's different and it needs to feel right in their being. And now we accept all kinds of things into the church, right? What is the Methodist church doing now, Abraham? Aren't they accepting like uh, LGBTQ pastors? They've gone so far as offering money to the Methodist churches out there to leave the denomination. Those Methodist churches that don't support gay marriage, they're actually paying them to get out. That's crazy. I know. Just a blatant twisting and disregard for taking God at his plain and simple word. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, faith, right? People talk about faith. And what James said before, that first way of just believing in what the word says, that's real faith, you guys, because the Bible is full of God's promises. But with this hummus, you know, fill in the gap type of spreading out the word, right? (laughs) And they go, faith, just have faith. Have faith in what? Right? The Bible is here to tell us what we should have faith in and what we shouldn't, right? People talk about faith. It's like, oh, you know, you just need a stronger faith. You just need a stronger faith. It's like, okay, I'm just going to feel harder. You know, I'm just going to like clench, you know, <laughs> like that, that's somehow going to do something because that, that's what these people are doing. They're just clenching, right? They're just clenching and they're just going, okay, I'm just going to have faith. Boom. Right. What did that do? That, that did nothing. Did, did Took you go a dump into a toilet is what it just did. <laughs> dump all those feelings right in the toilet where they belong. I got you know, feelings, look, feelings matter, right? They, they are a signal that is that oftentimes your emotions are a signal that are telling you something. But, but if you don't also have a firm foundation, a foundation of truth, then your feelings are going to be all out of whack because you need to have both. What we're really addressing is this issue of not taking God at his word. Mm. And now, wow, like, people almost lose the ability to do so. They lose the ability to do so, man. I'm telling you, bro. like I see it all the time. Like you see, you know, sometimes I'm on forums or Facebook or whatever it may be. And I'm just, you go into some Christian groups and you read some of these people's uh, doctrinal arguments. And you're just like, where did that person get that sense of reasoning from? It's like, they feel something and they're backwards rationalizing their feelings into the Bible. So they'll like pluck verses out of context. They don't just read what it says and believe what it says. It's amazing. It's astounding how far people go 
to pluck a verse out of context and they i'm not sure if they themselves can't see it because they, maybe they've been doing it for so long that they just don't it must be a spiritual stronghold because they can't just come to the word and read it as it says and just believe what the words say mm. you know and by the way when you do that one of the first things that happens is you start to realize that there are contradictions in the bible Yes, there are people. There's no contradictions in the Bible. Are you kidding me? You haven't read it and believed it and taken it as face value. So God provided a simple verse in scripture that tells us how to study the Bible. Second Timothy 2.15. The way that we study the Bible is by rightly dividing it. So we rightly divide according to context, setting, time period, audience, these types of things. So the idea is that if you're reading it through, you'll start to see a progression and then you'll start to see transitions and changes a lot of times in scripture. And what God might be doing in one age or with one people in the same age, he might be doing something different with a different people, even in the same age. This is why the elementary non-dispensational definition of dispensationalism is false because they say, Oh, it's just you're just dividing the Bible by dispensational ages. Well, the covenants are better. It's like, uh, I don't know who made that stuff up, but true dispensationalism incorporates the covenants as well, but it crisscrosses and flows alongside with God's dispense dealings. And God's dispense dealings are not always cut perfectly where God suddenly stopped doing one dispensation. And now he enters into another dispensational age. No, dispensing is like a soap dispenser. It's like you're just dispensing something. So God can dispense something to different people. They can hold on to different messages at the same time and go to different audiences. You know, so this is dispensationalism. And that is a natural conclusion that you have to come to when you read scripture and you take it honestly, because you are going to run into contradictions and you're going to say, there's no possible way, if I'm honest, if we're honest here, there's no possible way that you can take those two verses and force fit them together and then mishmash them into your own personalized doctrine. They're going to simply contradict and it's going to create so much cognitive dissonance because you can't force fit them together. Like, And the simple solution is you rightly divide it. And the Bible tells you the context. The Bible tells you the audience. The Bible tells you the time period and the different workings and dispensations of what is going on. And when you just let the Bible stand as it is, everything fits perfectly together. That is dispensationalism. So we often speak about that on our channel. And I do encourage everybody to look into that. And you got to realize, too, that when you delve into Scripture, this book is amazing. This book has a spiritual power to it. Yeah. It is amazing. These men, the Bible says holy men spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost and that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and that God exalts his word above his own name, right? Oh, but it's been translated multiple times over the years. Uh, a lot of people try to use this argument like, well, we can't trust the English versions of the Bible because how many times has it been translated over thousands of years? Uh, it's been translated from the original languages once oftentimes. Okay, so it goes straight from the original language what they did was they took copies of the original manuscripts in the same language as the original manuscripts and they directly translated them to English and they took geniuses. For example, the men who translated the King James Bible, I believe there was 54 of them and they were like world renowned men 
for the time. The king, King James, called the greatest men from around the lands. 54 of these men, for example, just to give you one example of who these men were, one guy was fluent in, I believe it was 16 languages. Fluent, mm. reading and writing in 16 languages. So these were geniuses from across the land that the king in his power called upon these men. And he gave them seven years. They took seven years and all of the manuscripts available to them at the time to translate those manuscripts, those copies of the original languages directly into the English. And oftentimes they used, they referenced other English translations that came directly before them, mm. which those English translations were directly translated from the copies in the original languages as well. So there's so many topics of the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Once again, I referenced Lee Strobel, but there are others. J. Warner Wallace. There's so much research and evidence for Christianity that if you haven't really studied this, dealing both with Christians and non-Christians, because there's this narrative. There are these, first of all, there's an absence of this education, which we should have been teaching this stuff to our kids in church. Oh, yeah. Bro, this should be like number one stuff that we teach our kids how to defend the faith. There should be classes in every church, how to defend the faith. And that should be like a part of Bible study class, you know, a part of retreats, how to defend the faith. Now, instead, it's just like how much Jesus loves you and wants to caress your feelings. And let's stand there for one hour, put our hands in the air, and then let's have a 30 minute sermon about how much Jesus loves you and how much you just need to pray for your friends who aren't saved and do nothing else (laughs) because the power of God will bring them around. Well, God uses people. The Bible says we are co-laborers with Christ. That's right. right. So I want the truth. I don't care about wanting to believe something just for the sake of believing it. Like, why would I just want to pick cherry pick a religion? Oh, look, Christianity over here. I like this one and just go with it. What? It's like one of the most, unpo- it makes you unpopular to be a Christian in our day and age. Of course, yeah. I'm not doing that. If I wanted to do that, I would just go be an atheist or maybe I just go be like a satanic person and sell out and go you know, get riches and fame in the entertainment industry, Mm -hmm. right? So that makes no sense. The reason why I'm a Christian is because all my research over the years has led me to this point. And now the brilliance of it is seeing the power of the word of God. Once you understand that these are the words of God, you're reading the words of God. And by the way, if you think God can't translate, well, the New Testament, a lot of times when they quoted the Old Testament, they were translating. So that's scripture. That's right. The New Testament are inspired scriptures. And then also, here's another thing. A lot of times, Jesus Christ was speaking in Aramaic, but they were writing the original scriptures in Greek. So the originals, the original manuscripts, they were able to directly translate whatever Jesus Christ was saying. There's a common argument like, no, languages are so different. It's like, no, that's inaccurate. The accurate way to say it is there are small portions of language that might not directly translate, and you have to find the closest analogy in whatever language you're translating. But for the most part, it is not difficult to translate most things in languages over to another language, right? That's why you even have professional translators that can stand there, you know, and translate directly, like right off the bat. They're just Speedy Gonzalez translating right off the bat when somebody's speaking in a different language, that's a profession, right? And so that's inaccurate because we got to address some of these things, man, because we're coming at scripture like this is literally the words of God. So we got to defend that. See, we're setting the example of what most Christians should be able to do. 
you know, that, that's the problem today, right, is we don't have a strong Christian culture anymore. And so our only choice now, as the underground church, is if you are at the Bible study discussion and you know what the truth is, rock the boat a little bit. Just say, hey, this is what the Bible says. At that moment, you stood up for the truth. And hopefully, there are going to be people listening, or hopefully, you planted a seed. And remember, we don't grow these seeds. God's the one that grows. So I hope that was encouraging because it can be very hard. Yeah, I'm sure you, you, know, you remember those times when you were searching for truth. Yeah, it could be very difficult. And it could be very difficult the first time you're not being tolerant anymore, right? But embrace that feeling. Or better yet, like I said before, embrace what's in the Bible and embrace the fact that you're doing what is right it's as simple as that. Remember, the power comes from the word of God. Mm. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the reason why our nation has drifted is because more and more people do not believe that these are God's words on this piece of paper right here. These are God's words translated into English. More and more people don't believe that. And when we don't believe that these are the words of God anymore, Nobody takes them seriously. Nobody follows them. Yet what's funny is if they are the words of God, then they still come true, right? So society drifts away from the words of God. What does God say about that? God's going to have to deal with that, right? All from a lack of knowledge in the scriptures. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So anyways, guys, stay tuned into the UGC podcast. There's no telling where we'll go. This has been... James and Abraham. Yep. Peace out.